It's October 21st, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. Today's Old Testament reading comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 37 and chapter 38. And as always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Jeremiah chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, succeeded Jochachin, son of Jehoiakim, as the king of Judah. He was appointed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, but neither King Zedekiah nor his attendants nor the people who were left in the land listened to what the Lord said through Jeremiah. Nevertheless, King Zedekiah sent Jehoshul, son of Shemaliah, and Zephaniah the priest, son of Messiah, to ask Jeremiah, Please pray to the Lord our God for us. Jeremiah had not yet been imprisoned, so he could come and go among the people as he pleased. At this time, the army of Pharaoh, Hondro of Egypt, appeared at the southern border of Judah. When the Babylonian army heard about it, they withdrew from their siege of Jerusalem. Then the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The king of Judah sent you to ask me what is going to happen. Tell him, Pharaoh's army is about to return to Egypt, though he came here to help you. Then the Babylonians will come back and capture this city and burn it to the ground. This is what the Lord says. Do not fool yourselves into thinking that the Babylonians are gone for good. They aren't. Even if you were to destroy the entire Babylonian army, leaving only a handful of wounded survivors, they would still stagger from their tents and burn the city to the ground. When the Babylonian army left Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's approaching army, Jeremiah started to leave the city on his way to the territory of Benjamin to claim his share of the property among his relatives there. But as he was walking through the Benjamin Gate, a sentry arrested him and said, You are defecting to the Babylonians. The sentry making the arrest was Erejiah, son of Shelemiah, grandson of Hananiah. That's not true, Jeremiah protested. I had no intention of doing such thing. But Erejiah wouldn't listen to him, and he took Jeremiah before the officials. They were furious with Jeremiah and had him flogged and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary. Jonathan's house had been converted into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a dungeon cell, where he remained for many days. Later, King Zedekiah secretly requested that Jeremiah come to the palace, where the king asked him, Do you have any messages from the Lord? Yes, I do, said the Lord. You will be defeated by the king of Babylon. Then Jeremiah asked the king, What crime have I committed? What have I done against you, your attendants, or the people, that I should be in prison like this? Where are your prophets now who told you that the king of Babylon would not attack you or this land? Listen, my lord the king, I beg you, don't send me back to the dungeon in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for I will die there. So King Zedekiah commanded that Jeremiah not be returned to the dungeon. Instead, he was imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace. The king also commanded that Jeremiah be given a loaf of fresh bread every day, as long as there was any left in the city. So, Jeremiah was put in the palace prison. Now moving into chapter 38, beginning with verse 1. Now, Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pashur, Jechaliah, son of Shemaliah, and Pashur, son of Machajai, heard what Jeremiah had been telling the people. He had been saying, this is what the Lord says, everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war, famine, or disease, but those who surrender to the Babylonians will live. Their reward will be life. They will live. The Lord also says, The city of Jerusalem will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon, who will capture it. So, these officials went to the king and said, Sir, this man must die. That kind of talk will undermine the morale of the few fighting men we have left, as well as that of all the people. This man is a traitor. 
King Zedekiah agreed. All right, he said. Do as you like. I can't stop you. So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell and lowered him by the ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Makaliah, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom, and Jeremiah sank down into it. But Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, an important court official, heard that Jeremiah was in the cistern. At that time, the king was holding court at the Benjamin Gate. So Ebed-Melech rushed from the palace to speak with him. My lord the king, he said, these men have done a very evil thing in putting Jeremiah the prophet into a cistern. He will soon die of hunger, for almost all the bread in the city is gone. So the king told Ebed-Melech, take thirty of my men with you and pull Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room in the palace beneath the treasury where he found some old rags and discarded clothing. He carried these to the cistern and lowered them to Jeremiah on a rope. Ebed-Melech called down to Jeremiah, put these rags under your armpits to protect you from the ropes. Then when Jeremiah was ready, they pulled him out. So Jeremiah was returned to the courtyard of the guard, the palace prison, where he remained. One day King Zedekiah sent from Jeremiah, sent for Jeremiah rather, and had him brought to the third entrance of the Lord's temple. I want to ask you something, the king said, and don't try to hide the truth. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you will kill me. And if I give you advice, you won't listen to me anyway. So King Zedekiah secretly promised him, as surely as the Lord our Creator lives, I will not kill you or hand you over to the men who want you dead. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, This is what the Lord, God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. If you surrender to the Babylonian officers, you and your family will live, and the city will not be burned down. But if you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. This city will be handed over to the Babylonians, and they will burn it to the ground. But I am afraid to surrender, the king said, for the Babylonians may hand me over to the Judeans who have defected to them, and who knows what they will do to me. Jeremiah replied, You won't be handed over to them if you choose to obey the Lord. Your life will be spared, and all will go well for you. But if you refuse to surrender, this is what the Lord has revealed to me. All the women left in your palace will be brought out and given to the officers of the Babylonian army. Then the women will taunt you, saying, What fine friends you have! They have betrayed and misled you when your feet sank in the mud. They left you to your fate. All your wives and children will be led out to the Babylonians, and you will not escape. You will be seized by the king of Babylon, and this city will be burned down. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Don't tell anyone you told me this, or you will die. My officials may hear that I spoke to you, and they may say, Tell us what you and the king were talking about. If you don't tell us, we will kill you. And if this happens, just tell them you begged me not to send you back to Jonathan's dungeon, for fear you would die there. Sure enough, it wasn't long before the king's officials came to Jeremiah and asked him why the king had called for him. But Jeremiah followed the king's instructions, and they left without finding out the truth. No one had overheard the conversation between Jeremiah and the king, and Jeremiah remained a prisoner in the courtyard of the guard until the day Jerusalem was captured. This concludes our Old Testament reading, moving into the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6. All slaves should show full respect for their masters, so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, show, to them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Verse 6, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself a great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time Christ died, for, excuse me, verse 15, for at just the right time Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light, so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may experience true life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you and with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. Let me try that again. Verse 20. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. I apologize. I've been sick, and I don't think I fully have my brain back, so you have to deal with my blunders today. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 is our Proverbs reading for today. And it says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And we will continue our reading in Psalm 89 for our Psalm reading today. Psalm 89, verses 38 through 52, as always, in a posture of prayer. But now you have rejected him and cast him off. You are angry with your anointed king. You have renounced your covenant with him. And you have thrown his crown in the dust. You have broken down the walls protecting him and ruined every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him and he has become a joke to his neighbors. You have strengthened his enemies and made them all rejoice. You have made his sword useless and refused to help him in battle. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. 
You have made him old before his time, and publicly disgraced him. Interlude. O Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Interlude. Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. I carry in my heart the insults of so many. Your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock your anointed king wherever he goes. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Lord, I love how we have psalms like this in the scriptures where the writer is praying to you, pouring out complaints, and yet at the end he can say praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Thank you, God, that you are not a vending machine waiting for us to say the right words, but you are a relational God. You are our dad who wants to hear from us. Lord, I pray that this psalm would speak to somebody who's struggling, who is being shamed for feeling the way they feel. I pray that this would give them the confidence that they can, that you can handle their anger, and at the end of the day, you can not understand what's going on, but still say, praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And Lord, that is our prayer today. Praise you. Amen and amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining me for today's reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our reading through the Bible together.